A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC, and I'm here with... Hey, it's Andy. This is David. Hi, it's Jan. And I'm Logan. So today we're talking about episode 15 of season two, Phases. It was written by Rob Deshotel and Dean Patale and directed by Bruce Seth Green, and it originally aired January 27th, 1998. So, uh, so this episode, I have such conflicted feelings about this episode because I love it and hate it in the same breath. I feel the same way. Same. Conflicting. Conflicting Conflicting. feelings. I mean, because, you know, you get a really solid Oz story. It's awesome. That's the saving grace. And then you get, it's just rife with homophobia and um, sexism. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like we start off with this uh, first scene, which is one of the reasons why this episode is so good. Because we start out with Oz looking at the statue of... um, Amy's mom. Amy's mom. Yeah, I can't remember what her first name is. Catherine. Like, uh, Catherine. Catherine. Yes, Catherine yeah. Madison. I, it's like the best callback ever. In it the is Buffy. really good. It yeah. really is. Is she buried in the Hellmouth now? Is that giant hole? In the episode Doomed, uh, there was going to be a reference to her. In the original script, when they first go down into the Hellmouth, because they go down into like the wreckage of the school... Um, right. They were the um, original um, establishing shot was supposed to like pan up from this wrecked statue of Catherine Madison, but they cut it out. And I'm like, oh, why did you okay, cut it out? Shame. That's great. That's a yeah. good callback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody actually knows she's trapped in that trophy. No one they? knows. No. no. Nope. They no. don't. Dark. Really, really dark. Really dark. Extremely yeah. dark. But it was a wonderful reference, and I, I did not see that coming the first time I watched this. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I know. I love that. I was like, oh, man, that's great. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I hadn't seen season one because, you know, I started watching the show while it was airing in the midst of this season. And I was like, okay. And then when I rewatched the series, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like, it. the thing cool. is, if you don't know the reference, you just think Oz is kind of a weird guy. Which he is. So yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, yeah, he is. Yeah, it's. I love him so much. <laughs> well, that's like a lot of times when they throw references in on Doctor Who. I love that. Like, if you don't know the reference, it will not matter to you. Right. But if yeah. you do, you'll be really happy to see the reference. Yes. Yeah. Adult jokes in children's movies. It's like, yeah. this, isn't, this isn't for yes. kids. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that's like the sign of a really good reference if uh, if it's entertaining without knowing what it is. But then if you do know, it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, um, it's not a it's not a this is an inside joke that you don't get if you're not a real fan. It's very it was very subtly done. Yes. And now I feel like we should insert the meme of, you know, Steve Rogers. I get that reference. Right. So 
Uh, <laughs> and we get Oz and Willow being so cute and awkward together. Uh, there's going to be a lot of sighing, I think, in this episode. Yeah. Yes, well, oh. because they're just, they're like the perfect, adorable TV couple at this point. So, Well, yeah. I mean, looking at all of the relationships over Buffy and Angel, they really have the most, the healthiest and most normal relationship. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they, they, and I mean, I think this even applies to like some of the later couples. Like, I mean, even Willow and Tara, uh, their relationship doesn't have the same grounded evolution that this one does. And I think that a Not lot at of all. That, yeah. that comes from them playing so coy for so long with what they were doing. But this one, you see them, they go out on dates and it's all, you know, it's normal teen stuff. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, when are we going to kiss? And it's cute and normal. And yeah. Well, I think that's what we were talking about last week too. There's the fact that this is a relationship that sort of starts at zero and builds and builds slowly and nicely. It's a very organic relationship. So mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, they look at each other and they fall in love and they're hot and heavy. So what I find really interesting about the relationship over the course um, of these, these last few episodes is, and especially when in reference to this particular episode, because there are a lot of problematic things about it, especially when it comes to sexuality and, um, consent and things like that is that Oz and you know and obviously considering what Buffy and and Willow talk about in the next scene Willow as well are both very clear about their boundaries and um you know Oz said in the last episode I think that you know he wasn't going to kiss her until you know essentially I'm not going to kiss you till it's right or whatever we're not going to kiss until it's right and I think that's a really mature way to even portray a relationship at this point or any point, you know, couples don't even today have those conversations um, on television. So interesting mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Most shows don't do relationships well because they feel they have to switch things up and like, you know, the Ross and Rachel bullshit, are they, aren't they, whatever. And there's very few shows out there that do relationships correctly and know that, comedy can be sustained comedy and conflict can be sustained and drama if someone stays together i think mike shore shows are the only ones that do that well with like parks and rack brooklyn 99 he is able to get couples into really good and loving relationships and still create conflict but most shows don't know how to do that i mean it's a huge problem with everything i mean uh the comic industry is super bad about this kind of stuff like you have all of Mm -hmm. these iconic couples that end up getting split up because it's like married couples aren't interesting and it's like well you know you're just a shit writer Right. Yeah. Married couples mm-hmm. can be really interesting if you do it right and you just give them, you know, as long as they're not just sitting there, you know, staring into each other's eyes and, you know, making, you know, baby talk at each other all the time, you can actually have them do stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, yeah. I, like the whole, you know, staring into each other's eyes and, you know, baby talk. I mean, that's a very immature idea right. of what a relationship is. Absolutely. Of relationships, a partnership. I mean, you might have that in the beginning but eventually you just become like this very strong unit and i don't think they ever let people get to that point the only other relationship in this buffy verse buffy angel verse that sort of is on parallel until the writers went and screwed it up was uh gun and 
Fred. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to mention yeah. and Fred that they actually mm. had a very strong relationship until season four happened, and right, we'll it's get there. ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they wanted with Wesley and whatever. We'll get there. No, sorry, I was just saying, like in terms of throwback, if you look at something even as far back as like Nick and Nora Charles. I mean, they're a married couple and they're they're detectives, and there's funny, there's there's comedy there, and there's drama and there's mystery. So you can do it if you know what you're doing. As you said, you, they can be a really strong unit together instead of just having to be like, you know, I don't know, just useless. So yeah, yeah. I think part of the problem is that I mean, and this is problem through a lot of fiction. I, I think MC, when you brought up comic books, I think this is particularly a problem in comics is there is this, this mistaken concept that plot is more important than character. And this, what we're talking about is character issues and what, and, and because, and, and comic books, of course, it's like, well, it's all about people punching each other. So therefore we can't like, so compared to that married, like married couples aren't interesting in their view because, Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, there's no action going on Mm -hmm. and, and people and and the writers are more concerned with stuff happening in a more, more like visually and physical sense than happening in a relationship between two people. Or I think they also feel that like angst is more interesting than like joy so that you have to have these characters like moping around. Oh, woe is me. Oh, so-and-so has left me or died or whatever. And so it's more interesting to do that. I mean, I think Joss says that too. It wasn't, he isn't he on record as saying something like he doesn't like happy couples. He only likes, you know, which is why he's constantly killing people off or breaking them up and, and making things cataclysmic, which is, Silly, as you yeah. said, it's immature yeah. to some extent. Um, yeah, I mean, like, if you look at uh, Buffy and Angel uh, uh, before they broke up, they were really fucking boring because everything about them was, you know, staring into each other's eyes and, oh, this forbidden love that we have. And, you know, when I kiss you, I want to die. But but that's and that's exactly it is, is that the problem is a lot of writers either take the there has to be action thing or they go completely the other way and say oh well they're a couple and therefore they can't actually have problems mm-hmm. they have to always be Schmoopy. just fine and and boring whereas like a real couple can be very happy together work well together and still have things that they have to work out yeah i mean uh, like i was like, the only time i've seen you know loving relation loving healthy relationships on television is when you look at sitcoms mm-hmm. when you or like if the couple like a family sitcom where the couple was together before you even like blackish or something like that or like i said mike sure shows that have very healthy relationships and still have a lot of drama and still have a lot of conflict and mm-hmm. yeah yeah, when I'm I, sorry. I just love Mike Shore. I've been rewatching Good Place this week, so it's okay. So good. Uh, when so good. I was writing my virtual series, actually, one of my goals was to subvert this Joss Whedonish trope of all couples must be miserable because <laughs> I had Connor get a girlfriend, and he was with her like as soon as he got together with her. They had like one like minor rough patch, but it was like solid throughout the entire thing because it's like. Joss liked to break people up because that was, um, that he felt that made it interesting, but it became so much of a trope for Joss that you were just Mm -hmm. always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Then I'm like, no, do you know what? It's actually more interesting 
if you have the couple like stay together and figure out how to have them, you know, function. Mm-hmm. No, I, I will give them this. A lot of couples in the Buffyverse stay together for quite a while. We, it's not the like, what is it, Bonanza syndrome, where right. like little Joe has a new girlfriend that you know tragically dies the every week, or the yeah, right, the, the Sam and Dean thing, right yeah. from Supernatural. At, at least the Buffy couples stay together for. I mean, Willow and Oz are together for two, two three, years. Four, they're together for yeah, like two I think years, almost three. Yeah, almost three. Willow and Tara together for about about the same. Three about the same, and mm-hmm. you know, Buffy and and Riley are together for a good two seasons, and Xander you know, and Anya are together forever. Xander and Anya yeah. are together. For, they're together you know, for two seasons. They're together for yeah, two seasons. They get together in season four, so. and to, you know, at least oh, they are, they are there is some of that dynamic, but then eventually everyone's the Buffy up. versus serial monogamous. Mm-hmm. But then he's got to, you know, it's always something tragic has to happen. And, you know, I think my biggest thing here, I mean, it's not Buffyverse, but Zoe and Wash is like, you know, it's, but it's, it's always like, you always know the shoe is going to drop, unfortunately, and it would just yeah, stop, which yeah. is a shame because, yeah, you, you can have some really good couples and, you know, they do it in other genres, I think, you know, and, and especially in mysteries and stuff. A lot of times you have like strong uh, couples that stay together. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, like, I do know that Joss was planning to subvert it with uh, Zoe and Wash. Uh, Wash dying was entirely him reacting to the show being canceled and knowing he only had the shot with the movie. He he, right. he was he was being mean. Uh, yeah, it's but like, he, yeah, he was. He had planned well, to keep them together, like solid. Like he he has talked about that. Zoe and Wash were just always going. If the show had kept going, they would have stayed steady. So basically, say F you to your, your fans and said in a movie. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Helpful. So back to the episode. Yes, back yes, to the back episode. To- <laughs> the Buffy and Willow scene right there, I actually really love, and I love the way Willow says, oh, I have a friend. I will go to her. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and then, does anybody else still say smoochies? No, I do. I do. Oh, I do. It. That's like, I've never... I, Kissing is smoochies to me ever since this episode and to my friends. Anytime mm. we've gossiped, it's like, so how was your date? I don't know. Need to know the gory details, but were there smoochies? I, uh, yes, before smoochies. we get the the Willow and Buffy scene, we do get a small scene of Oz and Larry. Oh, God. Yeah, that's yeah. really important. Yeah. Um, mm. And, well, we're establishing Oz as, you know, part a human of being. the school. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> Like, as horrible, horrible as I find Larry, I find it really interesting that he acknowledges Willow as an attractive girl and not like this social pariah that they've tried to, you know, play up throughout the first, you know, season and a half. Um, Because, I mean, like, even though he doesn't mean it because he's gay, he still recognizes that, oh, he can Mm -hmm. use his willow's a hot girl to hide behind so great point yeah yeah this is about where they give up on trying to make willow not i mean not not hot woman she's a nerdy she's a a nerdy hot which i'm into you know i'm all about nerdy hot yeah so i am nerdy hot so that's kind of yeah i am kind of glad that they that they did that you know Oz basically does use a semi-intellectual 
retort to Larry. Oh my God, I they, was just going to say. They didn't, and they didn't like go into the usual Larry going, what, what, what do you mean? They just like, basically he just gives a look and they, and that's over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, that like, line, you've really mastered thing. the single entendre. That's one of my most oft repeated lines. I yeah, that's a good that. one. A good one. I would have probably gotten suspended like 80 times for like kicking Larry in the balls. I probably would because like you, yeah. yeah because it was the 90s and they didn't understand uh men being disgusting getting actually punished for it. Oh, so boys will know. be boys. Yeah. Uh. It's also the 90s they would have argued that, you know, he's a man and a woman can't hit him so clearly, you know, you wouldn't have gotten in trouble. But my actual point is um so I I have a tendency to I mean obviously because it's my degree and I'm an asshole, but looking at things and we do that anyway through a feminist lens, but I want to talk about um, like themes and of consent throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, I mean, obviously Larry's they're not subtle with the metaphor they're using here um, at all. I mean, they're about no. as a bag of bricks um, as far as like animal instincts and sex and teen sex and all that. Yeah. Okay. But also, I want to talk about themes of consent in the actual mythology of werewolves. Um, for in this particular mythology, um, three days, they don't choose this at all. I mean, and I guess it can be safe for, said for a lot of monsters within the Buffyverse. But in this particular, within the like storyline of this episode, I think it's interesting that they chose to use um, something that happens to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in a almost violent way, as a sort of, mm. I'd like to see it as a sort of, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me here. Uh, metaphor. Thank you, metaphor for like assault. Yeah, essentially. Is, is yeah. Like, mm. Honestly, I think we'll get into that even more when we get to um, Wild at Heart. Um, yeah. Abs- yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I, I, you know, I think the 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 thesis statement the metaphor is a little flawed in this episode because it's like is it consent is it all men are gross animals right except the person that's the actual animal is the respectful guy that talks things out and giles Mm -hmm. and giles right and And giles Giles. Uh, well Um, i mean when it comes to buffy episodes i mean this is a little bit different on angel when they approach werewolves but most of the werewolf episodes deal with this toxic masculinity thing where this episode Mm -hmm. very much has a lot of homophobia and um, uh, sexism, sexism. And then the next time we deal with werewolves heavily, we'll get into domestic abuse and then we'll get into um, much more consent and like infidelity. And then the final one is like, the dissolution of a relationship and the discovery of, you know, this, you know, lesbian relationship. Right. So looking at the way this is written again, it's very ham fisted, but I think it's the, these two writers tend to sort of have that, like, I'm going to, we're going to point out sexism by having these men be so gross, but the way it's done is gross in and of itself. And the whole, like, and just, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it does. It doesn't. It does. And these these two writers are so incredibly slut shamey. They're always having oh, women, God. women, attacking other, other women. And and that same thing 
continued when they were the showrunners on that 70s show, which I used to watch before I now hate the show and really have thought about it, right? And grossness and yeah. But same thing. They're always having women just like, yes, Logan. Oh, what? <laughs> Oh, yes, hey, Logan. Yes, yes, Logan. Um, yeah, especially because um, I'm, I'm sure we all know, but the um, the cut scene they did between uh, Cordy and uh, uh, Willow. Yes, in in gym class, but even yeah. before that, um, the one eight hundred I'm dating a skanky hoe yeah, or whatever. Right. Mm. Like even though. Cordy and Willow are actually really nice to each other. They in this have episode. no think... idea how the fuck they want Willow and Cordelia to be acting with each other. I know. They so. seem like out of nowhere. I mean, last week she was screaming, oh, you hate, you know, oh, you're with somebody you hate rather than being with me. And then all of a sudden now they're like BFFs-ish. Well, yeah. I don't think yeah. Willow's problem is re- was really Cordelia in that yeah, situation. But... Willow's problem was she thought, you know, Xander well, was her he, possession. He, here is, but. Yeah, but you'd think that she would avoid Cordelia because she's angry about the whole situation rather than suddenly, like, co- not closing up to her per se, but they're they're much friendlier this week than they have been in other weeks, so. Yeah, I think that uh, that that sudden weird rapport between Cordy and, and Willow is again a part of the ham-fisted approach to the writing here. Mm-hmm. It's like that's there, so Xander gets to have the line about how it's time to panic. Mm-hmm. As yeah. like more than because it organically grows out of anything. Yeah. Not even considering what happened in the last couple of episodes with uh, Willow and Cordelia and Xander, but just looking at this episode by itself with the one eight hundred I'm dating a skanky ho line, and then as Logan pointed out, there was a confrontation between Cordelia and Willow cut out in which um, uh, they're sniping at each other. And Cordelia makes a crack about the phony girl next door attitude. And Willow says, you could be the girl next door if Xander lived next door to a brothel. Um, Oh God. And, and so they have this all ready and filmed and they just cut it out. But Mm. then you immediately go to that scene at the bronze and they're, you know, bitching about their lives and it's like how this there's such a disconnect there you can't right exactly to that i mean they're sitting on the couch together basically you know gossiping girl gossiping and it's like when did cordelia suddenly become like willow's close friend that she would do this i mean even with anything else it's like yes yeah, if that the other lines there it's just really weird it makes no sense in terms of their dynamic together at all it just and- seems to fit the the narrative because that's what they want at that moment and correct me if I'm wrong, it really never happens much again. Cordelia and Willow actually talking to not each other. Not really. But not honestly, much. I would have not had a problem with that scene had they not had the skanky hoe line in there. Yeah, no, for Because sure. it wasn't necessary. No, I would have loved, loved to see Willow and Cordelia, or Cordelia and Buffy, or Cordelia and, I don't know, Oz talking to each other more often because most of the time Cordelia's only there to drive them around do some research she's super supportive of them but they're not supportive to her back yeah yeah right and and she's sure I mean considering she is part of the Scooby gang even with the whatever weirdness is going on with Xander that doesn't mean that everybody else wouldn't talk to her mm-hmm. yeah. you know mm-hmm. so. we talked about this last week or the week before last at this point Cordelia is firmly part 
of the gang. Yes. Like, and and yeah. Xander's relationship she's... seems to be out in the open at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because mm-hmm. if Willow knew about it, you know, she had to have said to every, at least to Buffy, if not to, you know, Oz. And well, all. I mean, but yeah. like, they're like, yeah, waiting for the guys at the bronze. They're like talking in the hall. They're I canoodling mean, in public like when they're Xander's canoodling like... in public. Yeah. So I think yeah. 48 is Anders' relationship is out. And, and we're going to see that. We will find that out more next the, week. Yeah. Next week. Mm. But yeah, I mean, people know. Yeah. Uh, um, I forgot we were doing that episode next week. Yeah. Uh, one thing we did skip over is uh, Larry's, you know, blatant sexual harassment of. Uh, is it Teresa, right? Teresa. It, it was yeah. it yep. Teresa. I thought it was another uh, girl. And no, that was a different. That was a yeah. different. Right. Yeah. Uh, when she knocks over her books yeah. in the hall. Oh, okay. okay we're not yeah. about Again, that. that is where I was like, I would have kicked him in the balls. Like, my yeah. feminist rage, even in 1993, was pretty much, I mean, obviously, I've always had feminist rage. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just sort of in, in my nature. But he would have been screamed at, and I would have been in the principal's office no, all the time. Though I have to say, like, I mean, I hate him for what he did and using these girls to try and, you know cover up his own insecurities but there is a um uh star wars book that just came out called from a certain point of view which uh covers um minor characters it throughout the first movie and so like you know here here's from their perspective i would love if they did like a buffy book like that and phases would be from larry's point of view oh that would be so interesting yeah because i mean like considering the harsh turn that he makes at the end of this episode like i don't condone larry doing this let the character of larry it's actually there's, there's a kernel of truth there i've known other people who went through similar things because they are covering up because they are closeted whatever so larry himself as a character is not out of the realm of possibility he's supposed to be dislikable etc it's how the whole thing kind of comes out in the end especially xander's reaction to it so but yeah, larry's, but would... a, larry's a caricature in his behavior, not a character. Does that right? Does that make I, sense? You could yeah. say that. I, in but fact, I, I actually people along who acted along those lines. I mean, granted, Larry is like more cartoonish, for lack of a better word, than you know, more of a character caricature. But it's not his motivations are not completely out of the realm of of reality. If that makes any sense, right? But there's still no excuse for that kind of assaulting behavior. I mean, and and after this sure. episode, I actually really like Larry. Yeah, yeah I'm not I saying it's an excuse, really but I'm saying I know Larry. I knew but... people who behaved that way. Yeah. not that high a level of, of yeah. darkness, but yeah, right. It, it's, it's it's the it's the difference between it's 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 the 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 clash of the realistic and yes, the right. good. Yeah, and and I actually I want to get your take on this is like because they have so much there's a lot of horrible in this episode. I mean, obviously Larry before he comes out and Kane is just miserable. Oh God! Do you, do, but my my question <laughs> is, do you think doing what they did with these characters might have worked if they hadn't been so ham handed about it? I think I, is there more, a way you could do this I, I, reasonably? I think if the writer had been like a freaking woman and not like a clueless, and I don't know anything about these two writers' sexualities, but they write like straight dudes. I'm sorry, they do. Yeah. You know, yeah. so maybe if there's a more nuanced perspective and a little bit of rewriting and a, maybe. 
the whole pointing out sexism while still being super sexist doesn't work, though. Well, with Kane, which we will get more into later, I think the only thing that saves his character is that Jack Connolly does a really good job. Truth. Um, and Larry... Larry does redeem himself later, and I actually, like I said, I am interested in his story. Like, what he does is reprehensible. But if you actually look at what he's doing, there's such a sad self-loathing. Like, I can just picture him going home, and it's like, oh my god, I can't believe that I did that. Because he immediately changes doing that kind of stuff as soon as he's able to, like, come to terms with himself. It's like he's attacking other people. Well, he kind of says that. He attacks other people because he wants to attack himself. And, but that's that's what a lot of bullies do. So that's what I'm saying. It rings true in that he is such a high level jerk because he doesn't have self awareness until things change. And unfortunately, that's the ham handed part yeah. to me. But yeah, uh, uh, Kane is just a reprehensible character. But I feel like he's a paint by number villain. He's just like so over the top, dun dun dun. You know, look at me, I'm so evil. I'm wearing you know uh, claws on my my necklace. So look at me, I'm evil. I know we're not really getting into Kane, but when we do. I would like to make the argument that Kane is a serial killer. Thank you. Oh, well, Thank there's, you. There, there's, there's no argument there. Uh, so before that, we actually get the first appearance of the werewolf, and it starts out <laughs> with, a, oh, with the most stereotypical, like, urban legend, like, you know, scary story. Of, if, like, it, if it wasn't going to be a werewolf, it was going to be a dude with a hook for a hand. I know, um, right? Yeah. Um, right. I, I do have to, um, let's talk about, Cordelia saying my father still thinks I'm a good girl. Uh, I, I was actually thinking about this and back in uh, Reptile Boy, Cordelia was taken as a virgin sacrifice. So we argued about her having sex for so long and we forgot about Reptile Boy. <laughs> yeah. Back in Reptile Boy, she was taken as a virgin sacrifice, which was episode five of this season so between then and now apparently she's not a good girl i'm kind of wondering if maybe cordelia and xander and cordelia and devon just really subscribed to the 90s i did not have sexual relations with that woman mentality yeah i mean there's many many ways to quote unquote not be a good girl like i think cordy's been the Mm -hmm. everything but girl yeah yeah but not but <laughs> you never know um though i actually um, do think that a, they originally intended xander and cordelia to be in a sexual relationship oh it's sure just, it's just oh, yeah. season three they decided oh well we want to have a big de-virginizing scene for xander right yeah no that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah because yeah. For losing a virginity always has to be a big fucking deal apparently what? yeah because to me like cordy and xander just like radiate yeah they're having like hot look not illicit you know sex in quotes um and they're ha- and and she's fine with it which you know to me like cordy is just very body positive she's very positive about herself and yeah i it's ridiculous that they're not so yeah i mean i and xander is such a xander in this scene too because he's not paying a bit of it i mean cordelia is in the car wanting to do stuff and actually wanting to acknowledge that they're in a relationship Mm -hmm. publicly so like and xander's just being Oh God! I, I will actually pick up some on some of these threads in a in a later scene because I have a theory that I need to get into, and it does not yeah. have to do with bunnies. Um, oh man, is there it is... a demon? A dancing demon? No. Um, but here is a question that I have: 
what the fuck happens to Oz after that first night? Like, where does, like, he, it, he rolls off the roof of a car. And we mm-hmm. know that things that affect the werewolf does affect him the, the next day. So right. you think that yeah. he might be in a little bit of pain. And True. where did he wake yeah. up that, you know, he, he woke up naked somewhere. So I have I have a, a quasi theory here. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe sorry. That, maybe that's not actually Oz. I did briefly consider that, but it looked so much like the werewolf that Oz turns into later that. Well, I maybe it's it Jordy. They they are related. That's true. Yeah. Here's my question: In other werewolf lore, the werewolf stays near and around the basic size of themselves. Like, what kind of physiology does it take to make a guy that's, like, five foot four turn into, like, six foot five? Mm-hmm. I, I, like, the, but, and Jordy, Jordy's, like, a little kid, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I was like, there's a, 10, maybe yeah. there's another werewolf. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'm not going to throw in another werewolf because, I mean, like, that's just going way too far outside of, you know, like, the... It's like, yeah, I mean, you could say that about everything. It's like, maybe there was somebody else. And it's like, I, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it just. Right. I mean, I, that that just answers your question about what happened to Oz. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, no matter what, Oz turned into a werewolf that night. Yeah. I'm right, not absolutely doesn't... sure about that because I'm unclear about when Jordy bit him and how long that take, how long it takes for that to actually take effect. He said last week, didn't he, when they were in I don't, gym? Did he say last week? Okay, maybe so. so. Yeah. Because yeah. Well, Larry was like, you know, last week, a, you know what, he's not, that was Larry. Larry was like, last week a giant dog jumped out of the bushes and bit me. Yeah. And then all Oz said was, tell me about it. My cousin Jordy got his grown-up teeth in. Well, I mean, like, it does not make any sense to me that it should happen, like, between the first and the second, you know, tra- yeah. transformation. Because... Yeah. You know, they go to school, they find out about the end of the werewolf, then they air, they're in school. Well, uh, it, it there's no mark on Oz, so it stands to reason that it's been a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Jordy would have had to have bitten him hard enough to transmit whatever they consider, I don't know, his mystical spit into his... Ew, I don't like yeah. the way I put that. Oh, Sorry, y'all. Virus. Yeah. I, I, I like to think of lycanthropy as a virus. It's a That's, mystical yeah. virus. Um, Okay. So then I've, and, and I've exhausted my reasons to clear up your question. Because the writers are <laughs> dumb. Okay, yeah, yeah. I go back to that. And they're they're werewolf lores all over the place, sort of like their vampire lore. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just that, you know, Oz is such a hard partying musician that <laughs> Clearly. Maybe he, he maybe woke he... up in his backyard and is like, okay. Crowd surfed or something. And he's always <laughs> sort of like Zen about things. He's like, well this it's fine, I guess. Maybe I sleep well. He he, he woke up and he didn't un- he didn't have a context yet. And yeah. it's not until Yeah. Like, okay. Because when he did he immediately called and he was like, Hey, are young werewolves? Okay. Cordelia mourning her car and then figuring out that it's a werewolf. And I wanna know why Giles doesn't keep track of the moon cycle. <laughs> That's a good question. Well, did they I mean he 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 acknowledged that this was his first encounter. He didn't really even know anything yeah. about. Well, I mean, you would think that the moons we we've already had the moon cycle be important for different rituals True. or whatever. Uh, yeah, and, it... and also Willow knows the moon cycle. It does not make sense to me that Giles should not know that it's not the full moon and that Willow should. 
Yeah, that's a little inconsistent. It's a really small point, but yeah, it just feels like Giles should keep track of the moon just for because of because of different rituals and different prophecies and all this different kind of stuff. Like most witches, I mean, most people who are, are mystically bent keep track of the moon cycle for so many reasons that yeah, it, it, it makes no sense that Giles wouldn't have been. And Willow's getting too. Willow's going to do the same thing later in season four when Oz comes back. She's going to be like, I haven't been tracking the cycles of I've forgotten that about the moon. You know, I'm like, dude, you you're, you're a fucking a practicing, practicing witch. witch. Yeah, right. You're exactly. a practicing yeah. witch. How do you not know this? Not of only the that, but OK, they have not dealt with werewolves yet. But as Giles says, it's one of the classics. So maybe it's something you want to keep an eye out for. Truth. Yeah. Truth. Giles. I do like Oz comforting Willow about the bunnies. <laughs> Bunny. Yeah, that I, that's that's pretty oh, great. Although my thought was, he says, those bunnies can take care of themselves. And that sounds almost a little ominous. I'm like, does Anya have something later on? <laughs> Are bunnies a lot more dangerous than we give them credit for? True. Uh, but I know if you've had water shipped down, you know that bunnies are fucking tough. So Yes. And then we get um, into the uh, scene, the self-defense class, which is so oh, yeah. ham-fisted. And that it is. is. Yeah, that's probably the scene the whole show. Yeah, in some ways, it is. I mean, for for one one thing is like when Buffy when Willis says to Buffy, "You remember you're supposed to be a girly girl like the rest of us." I wanted to punch her there. Haven't we gotten past the point where anybody believes that the show was great for girl power? It's like you you can only have power as long as you you know are supernaturally endowed. Fuck that. Well, yeah, but even beyond that, I'm just like practically. Like, nobody in school believes that Buffy's just a regular girl at this point. But the thing is that, what is a regular girl? I mean, you know, Buffy has never been one who's, like, tripping around in, like, you know, frilly dresses and, you know, and, and no, playing, like, like, dumb blonde, whatever. And they're, and that's okay. I mean, no, no, but, but what as, does girly as someone girl who mean? Could, yeah. Well, in, in this scene, it means someone who can't beat up a guy. And I don't think anyone believes that. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> but I mean, like, I, like, even if people don't believe that... I don't think that Buffy needs to hide like the fact that well, Willow, yeah. the the fact that Willow is That's shaming true. her for yeah. her powers. Truth. And, and basically like this idea that there is something that a girl must be. That is what bothers me. Right. Is she shaming get, her or trying to protect her? Well, she's trying to protect her, but it's like and it's this a shaming new... thing. Well, the language, like I said, these two writers that always wrote their scripts together for Buffy, uh, they're uh, they 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 just they don't Again, they don't have any real nuance into what they're writing about. I mean, I I don't know how this episode will be saved, but I if Marty or Jane had written that, I don't think that line would have been there. Mm-hmm. And I think the show hasn't found the show hasn't hired enough female writers to I don't know what I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying. Marty or Jane wouldn't have written a story wherein girl power is so one dimensional. I mean, just yeah. think about, you know, five seasons in the future and Buffy's are you ready to be strong speech which mm. is sure and we so also much. have Xander being gross and possessive again yeah mm-hmm. of so, yeah. all the women around him of all, literally all the women around him yeah. like why don't you just pee on them Xander since you think they all belong to yeah. you yeah and I mean like mm-hmm. Oz like putting Willow's tag back in I mean like it's so cute and it's gentle it's- 
it's very, very real. You know, that's a thing a guy who likes another girl, cares about a woman will do. Or, you know, it's just a, a thing. It's an, a sign of affection. It was beautiful. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Xander is trying to ruin it by being gross. No, and dirty. Yeah. Because Xander can't stand to not have Willow paying attention to him. Yeah, because he got and used being, to having that crush, yeah. and and, mm-hmm. he, and, it, and it made him feel really good that you know. And like, Cordelia, while she makes him feel good in other ways, and actually, I think they do like each other. She doesn't put up with his shit the way that Willow has always put up with his shit. Xander right? always treats the women who are interested in him like shit. She, right. they, she does. They, she's they, he's very shaming. Yeah, and they, and we're gonna get into this later when he's with Anya. But he constantly undermines her self esteem, who she is, tells her to be different than who she is, mm-hmm. to stop being so weird. You know, like there's just these oh yeah, blatant, just the most blatant sexual like violation that with Larry just oh. grabbing Will uh, Buffy's ass. Yeah, that was just, when I saw that, I was just like, what? (laughs) Where the fuck did that teacher go? I know it was the 90s and, like, people would let shit go, but, I mean, he just, like, his hand just, like, smacks her ass. Yeah. Yeah, You know, back in the 70s, that kind of shit went on, too. But the fact that nobody else, like, walked up and punched him in the face, I mean, people would still have other people's backs. And, like, yeah, stop it. That was just insanity. There, There was more subtlety on Mad Men. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i'm surprised like standards and practices didn't like go uh no <laughs> yeah really well as long as it wasn't two girls together it's fine right yeah yeah <laughs> and we get uh giles uh explaining how werewolves work and you know he gets props he gets the to moon, use props the moon pie him <laughs> Just that moment where Giles giggles. Yes, yes, right. Moon pie. <laughs> I love just, that. I'm sorry. It's I, how does he? You even know, know how I am about Giles. Is? It was just twenty thousand years Yeah, he's been in the U.S. Yeah. for at least two years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really... but he's been in the U.S. in like California. They have. Oh, are they just there? southern? Do they have moon pies? I don't yeah, know. They have moon pie. We have moon pies. I can walk across the street in New Mexico and get a moon pie. Okay. Just if you're wondering how Giles knew about them, how did uh, Xander know about them if they're not in California? I, I'm I'm pretty sure they are. So I, I think I've seen them in like rest stops and stuff. I think they're kind of a generic. You know, you can get them everywhere. But. Yeah, you can. Okay, so my nitpick. Oh, I've got one. <laughs> is when they say, okay, so the werewolf is only. Something 28 days out of the month. Yes, technically a month, a 30 to 31 day month. Mm-hmm. But a werewolf is only not human. You know what I'm trying to say. 26 out of. Right. 25 or 26 days out of 28. 26 days out of 28 days. Because that's an actual lunar cycle. Not right. a 30 day. I get what they're trying to say. But mm-hmm. technically. Yeah, well, was it the mo- full moon or the new moon? So they really don't know anything about their uh, their moon cycles. Again, this episode has another one of my most oft-repeated lines. And it's actually not oh, yep. oft-repeated. But it's, I will post this gif every time I post a headcanon or theory. It's, I didn't jump. I took a tiny step. And their, tiny conclusions, step oh, yes. their conclusions were... Totally. That's, in, Me that's too. in my SIG file. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That is definitely one that is 
Yeah, it is perfect. Like, if I ever get back to doing my theory videos on YouTube, I want to put that into the opening because it's so good. Yeah, that's definitely one of those. The uh, One thing about uh, Buffy, the Buffyverse in general, they have a lot of continuity problems with their werewolves, but they've never wavered in their moral positioning on them. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, with the exception of Veruca, who will come up later. Who's kind of a rapist, so... Mm. We we Sorry. will totally get into... Oh, I have so many feelings. But other than that, every werewolf we have met is a regular person with this thing that happens to them. And I think it's it, it's mostly just... Veruca's just a bad person. She sucks. Uh, yeah. yeah, she does suck. And her band sucks too. Oh, I should kind of like them. Yeah, which, where are we in the episode at this point? Are they in the woods yet? We are just getting up to, yeah, them going to search for the werewolf and meeting up with Kane. Giles yeah. pretending like he doesn't know what those yep. people are doing in those cars. Yeah, I'm right. Sure, like when you were a child. Yeah, see, I don't buy that at all. <laughs> and actually, there was one bit that I actually kind of liked where uh, Giles says, have you seen anything? And Buffy goes, yeah, th- she's like being out with this guy, but he's seeing this other girl. And it's like, <laughs> and I was like, I actually like that because it's like slaying hasn't taken over Buffy's life so much that she's yeah. totally not a teenager anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. It's like as noxious as gossip is, it's like, okay, she's being an actual teen for once. And she's which is enough nice. a part of the school that she knows who these people are. And, and right. the, dynamics. Oh, yeah. the dynamics, yeah. yes. So this episode has possessiveness over women, sexual harassment, and now with the introduction of Cain, um, a fepophilia, because he's he's all like, oh, so you're here with, you know, her, you know, good to get the fruit while it's fresh. Right. <sighs> <sighs> I love that Giles' immediate reaction is like, you don't want to take that back, my dude, because I will kick your ass. Yeah, when, when, when Giles calls him a pillock, my note was, pillock seems insufficient here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, Kane's yeah. disgusting, but I love Jack Connolly. Oh, he gives a wonderful performance Yeah, as just, a horrible I, person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He will be even better on Angel as Sajan. We get to enjoy him more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that the same guy that plays it's Sajan? It's the same guy who plays Sajan, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's awesome. Good on that dude. Yeah, and I've seen him in other things, and he often plays very kind of similar, like these gruff type roles, but he's really, really good at it. Yeah, just the way he's written, like I said, you know, he's just like such a cartoon villain, evil, gross, you know, oozing, whatever. It's just, yeah. yeah. There, there is another bit of discontinuity when it comes to werewolves later on, because we have Kane here who specifically wants to kill and skin a werewolf and take their teeth and their organs and this kind of shit. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. when we get over onto Angel with the inter- introduction of Nina, I can't remember what her... Unleashed, that was her first episode. They specifically have to serve werewolves tartar because werewolves revert back at death. Isn't she a specific kind of werewolf? That is true. She's a rare kind of werewolf. She's whereas, like a subbreed, yeah. Yeah, North American werewolves are more common and they don't revert back. Okay. 
Fair enough. Is that okay. not right? It's been a really long time. Since well, I, I mean, they do, they do mention that she was a different kind of werewolf, and I think that was just so that they could not have to use the werewolf costumes that they use later on in this show, oh, which God, we will right. talk yeah. about a lot. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I, I find the werewolf costume in this to be ridiculous and bad, but adorably bad and very like, hey, it's the 90s, we got a low budget, we're going with it. At you least know. it looked like a wolf. True. Yeah. I mean, I was actually rewatching this. My mom happened to like walk in the room and she just like burst out laughing. She's like, what are you watching? That's so stupid looking. I'm like, yeah, it's a werewolf. Don't ask. It's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, but dogs in... are made of plungers. So, you know, yeah. and well, kids were scared of them. The werewolf comes in way above my bar, my low bar for just horrible animal costumes, which is the polar bear in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, because okay. that is just <laughs> astonishingly bad. Yeah, but it, like this, it's a bad werewolf suit. But if you look at the later werewolf suits where they don't even like look, it looks like some sort of simian later on. Yeah, you're yeah. right. This one is. And actually, so this one actually oh, you're right. does. This one is better. Yeah, this this one it, it's a poor suit, but it looks like a were- it's like if I were to look yeah, at but it, it looks I'd be like, like werewolf, that's a werewolf. Yeah. And it's still better than the werewolf in um, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. So yeah, uh, which that one had very little <laughs> excuse because that was a very high budget movie. Yeah, and it was CGI, and it looks like a Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. I did actually want to say one last thing about the the scene with Kane. Yes, Buffy gets in a good Nazi joke at the end. Yes, mine furrier. Yes, right, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, so we get to the scene with Angelus and Teresa. Poor Teresa. Poor Teresa. Honestly, like, I mean, I'm not trying to victim blame, but Angel was being so fucking creepy. Yeah. Well, but there's precedent. The way she reacted to Larry was pretty naive as well yeah true he he was not being subtle he was being fucking gross and she was like actually i think there are more people in our group so okay and i you know and and it it, it, it's furthering this complicated theme of men are predators Mm -hmm. angel we know is a hundred percent a sexual predator we know this and we'll get to know this even more when we get those flashbacks and becoming and stuff but I mean, it's like men as predators, animals. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the parallel there. I'm just saying that he was not being subtle in the fact that he was really fucking creepy. And if Teresa was scared <laughs> at that moment, right, I would be. She should have just like run away. Okay, run away. I'm sorry. When I was 16 years old, if a man that looked like that walked up to me, even if he was slightly creepy, I'd be like, "All right, let's go." Yeah, that that was honestly the only explanation that I could find for it. I like, mean, I, I mean, honestly, I'd be like, because I did some dumb stuff just because the so the, much the dude was good looking, yeah. and I couldn't see past good looking. Yeah. We don't get a good look at it, but this is the first appearance of the Angela Skyliner. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see it better in later episodes. But yes, we, we got some. I do love eyeliner. a good guy liner. He, I really yes. do. Love he rocks liner. it pretty well. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I love a good guy liner. Uh, then we get to the scene that we, we've already talked about it a lot with Willow and Cordelia, uh, which I love that scene. I, I just wish that we had. Couple of guys. We had earned this scene. Um, and the only way we didn't need to earn this scene. We just needed to not think it's so improbable. That improbable. earlier, that yeah. earlier slut shamey bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they had just cut that out, then I would have been just like, "Oh, okay, so you know, the scene happens." Like they both realize that Xander's a fucking jackass, and they yeah. can <laughs> sort of bond over it. 
uh, mayhem with the werewolf and attacking the bronze, and then Buffy comes in, and then Kane comes in, and he's... Listen, if the bronze would just invest a large amount of money initially to really fortify that building, the <laughs> shit would stop happening, and they would have to stop spending money on rebuilding windows and putting bricks back together. Like, let's just mm-hmm. think, let's think more for, like, farther into the future, is all I'm saying. It's bad business practice. And, and I feel like, I mean, they are aware that, you know, that shit is going down, so it's like, let's let's work things At out. worst, they think they live in a really, like, dangerous area of town. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, they're, weird, weird they're getting damage at least once a week. Yeah, they're supposed to be in the bad area of town. It's one block from the good area of town. Yeah. <laughs> because Sunnydale is supposed to be really small, except for having, like, an... Airport, airport. Uh, an airport and, and, and a army base and an uh, inordinate amount of right like, and a large university yeah and a large yeah. you know university i mean a uc California. i mean it's it's yeah. a uc universe you know i know yeah. it's a fictional one but it's part of the uc system yeah it's got everything that it needs when it yeah. needs it just like clark kent yeah basically it's the tardis version of a small town so logan did you want to talk a little bit about king I really want to talk about how Kane is a serial killer. He totally Kane is. knows these are human beings. He knows it. He's fine with it. He uh, has a ritual. And whether or not he does it for profit, there's no denying that he keeps trophies. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if he did not, as a child, complete the triad. Probably still wets the bed. Definitely sets fires. Mm-hmm. And um, makes a living out of torturing animals. So it's, it's like he's almost like a supernatural version of Dexter. Where he's like justifying the fact that he's killing these people. Where it's like, they're werewolves. They're not real people. They're, you know, going to kill people. So I'm just doing everybody a favor and making a profit on it while I'm at it. Yeah. So yeah. Logan, are you saying that we're diagnosing him with antisocial personality disorder? Listen, I'm not here to diagnose anybody. Uh, you know, I'm but... totally fine. I'm fine with <laughs> diagnosing fictional people. Yeah, I don't think the Goldwater rule applies here. <laughs> right. No, I mean, they're fictional. So, and I actually find it kind of fun, but this one is just an easy, like, yep, antisocial personality disorder. I mean, I it's interesting, actually, because, I mean, his justification that, you know, well, three days out of the month, they are, they're a danger. I will say it, it's not even three days out of the month, they're a danger. It's not even three full days. It's, it's like, three, from moonrise it's like, to three moon set. right, it's like 12 hours over three, you know, 12, you, you know what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, he has no justification. He's he's greedy. He wants to cause pain. He lost after teenage girls. He's just gross. He's gross, yeah. I would like to know, after that conversation and we get the news report about Teresa, how were they able to go through all of the appropriate channels to get that report on Teresa on the radio within hours of her death? Oh. It's, I mean, it's just, it's... Plot? It's total plot, plot bullshit. The plot needed it? Yeah, because, I mean, she was killed, like, sometime, like, probably around 9 o'clock at night, and so you're telling me by, you know, like, 5 or 6 in the morning they're having a news report on her death? No. Mm-hmm. No. No. Well, honestly, if, <laughs> as someone who grew up in small towns, uh, and even our big towns here are small towns, despite its abnormally like large pool of resources sunnydale is as small as they're they're making it out to be yeah it, it's entirely conceivable that like local news because like we don't give a fuck we're gonna go ahead and talk about this dead kid hopefully okay. their parents know fair enough wow 
I'm curious, as given the short time scale here, does this fit in at all with what we know about how long it takes for someone to turn? And, and the time it takes to turn is whatever the plot says. And like the, she is killed on the second night of the moon, and then she comes back on next night. And the most traditional turning that we see on any of these shows is on Angel when Darla comes back. And that takes mm-hmm. about a day. So I'm going to give it to him on that. Okay. The, the next scene, we get some uh, quality shirtless Oz action. Oh Yay! my god. I hate to be that person, but... <laughs> I, but you, I, but you I, will anyway. <laughs> I completely... I Back in the day... Because now I feel a little creepy because I know those people are like, they're supposed to be teenagers. I know they're in their 20s, but yeah. But back in the day, I think my friends and I rewound that scene like over and over and over again, just trying to get. I'm pretty sure I had that screen cap as like a desktop picture for a while. Listen, Seth Green is my alabaster ginger prince and he's so petite. I want to put him in my pocket and carry him around nude. My, my, (laughs) yes, my friend Stephanie came up for a word back just a couple years after this, um, cute, small men, Frodo-tastic. And I Seth Green is the ultimate example of being Frodo-tastic. Yes. And, and this is also <laughs> one of the best act breaks that they've ever had. Like, I, it I, is. I love just the, huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is the perfect Oz. Oz reaction to this situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that leads us into the next scene where we find out that the laconicness like runs in Oz's family. (laughs) There's just like no reaction from Aunt Marine over the whole like is Jordy a werewolf thing. She, you you could like, I mean, you don't hear her, but it's obvious she's just like, yeah, okay, yeah. And it's like, does does she not know that Jordy bit Oz? Because you'd think she'd at least say, oh, by the way. Jordy's a werewolf, so you may have some some problems. From <laughs> I, here I can on out. I can explain that away. One, I, I think Oz being turned this way is probably very unusual. I bet you most werewolves, you know, don't bite people, you know, outside of the moon. Two, um, if he was tickling Jordy and Jordy just took a nip at him. Oz might not have mentioned that. Because how old is Jordy supposed to be? He's supposed to be... Well, he just got and his grown-up teeth in. Right. Uh, well, grown-up teeth or... I don't know what I thought that Right, but, like, you don't tickle, like, a... I would assume that he is probably about six or seven. Okay, that's what I was yeah. thinking, five, six, yeah. seven. Because... Yeah. And that doesn't... Oz meaning grown-up teeth doesn't necessarily mean actual grown-up teeth. He could have No, just he may have... Some- lost all his his baby teeth and and gotten one or two grown-up teeth yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i've always wanted to know like how jordy became a werewolf that's a very good uh question and like, i and i think it's explained in one of the tie-in novels but i don't think that's really canon and i can't remember what it was like was it a thing like lupin in harry potter where he was like mauled as a child or i actually had a theory uh we do find out later that lycanthropy is genetic like if willow and oz Mm. had had kids the kid would have been a werewolf because oz and was it bariyama is the name of his wife in the comics i think so they they have a child and he is a werewolf so maybe maureen or ken is a werewolf 
and passed it on to Jordy. I want to know what they're doing with Jordy. Are they crate training him? <laughs> and also, how big does he get? Because yeah, if Oz shoots up like a right, if like Oz a shoots up from teeny foot and a half, yeah. To, yeah, he's sent into obedience school. You know, is this where Oz got gets the chains from? Because that's a very suspicious box of chains. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I wondered about that. Fan fictions. <laughs> Oh, I wrote several fan fictions involving those I'm chains. sure you did. And of, course, and of course, we're now having pretty essentially the same like set of questions that Xander will have later in the episode. <laughs> and the other question is, where are Oz's parents in all of this? I mean, like, we never see his family at all. Do they know? I, again, it's one of those conceits of the show that they really didn't want parents. Yeah, they really yeah so it's very Charlie Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get a little in later seasons, but besides Joyce, they they really didn't want to have parents involved. Uh-uh. In this. I just assume Oz's parents are somewhere being laid back. Probably yes. <laughs> uh, maybe they're musicians too, and they they are on tour. They're on the road. Yeah, maybe. there you go. Okay, so then we move on to the scene where Oz goes to the school and is all very paranoid. And one of, like, the only parts of Xander that I actually like in this episode. And that's where he's trying to channel his inner, like, his inner werewolf because he remembers from being a I'm hyena. But yeah. he gets busted. He gets busted. He like, does. I thought you didn't remember that. But of course, since it's Xander, they let it go. And there's going to be many times when Xander's finally called out for something and that like, they let it go. But you couldn't get into it. Like, maybe, like, somebody right. could write a fanfic where, like, Buffy like is like no we've actually got to talk about this mm-hmm. but I do like the whole True, I get it. I, I'm a it's big a bad back. wolf I'm sniffing I'm snarling and then he looks <laughs> dead at Oz and he's like I'm wary and Willow tries to go after Oz and he turns her down and I don't like Willow in this scene based on what we know of his character and I think Oz is one of the best drawn characters on this show mm-hmm. he's an internal processor yes and Willow's an external processor mm-hmm. right which can work very well in a relationship, but she doesn't. She doesn't have the maturity to let him sort of have the space to breathe through what he needs to breathe yeah. through. Well, I will actually take the side against Willow in this because um, Willow's being really fucking selfish. Like I know they're in a relationship that she's trying to sort out, but Oz is obviously disturbed. Like, it mm-hmm. is so obvious that there is something bothering him. Yeah, there is a good reason for it, because Teresa was his friend. She mentions it. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'll i play devil's advocate, because, sure, perhaps put yourself in the position of a in an insecure 15 or 16-year-old girl. I- I've been there before. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All you're thinking is, yeah. God, why doesn't he want me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? So that's going, that's the only thing looping through this kid's head, and it... it, it Teenagers aren't the most observant people at the best of times, much less when they're having like a weird crisis. Personally, I do think it's pretty obvious that Oz is freaking the fuck out and maybe you should just give him some space. But at this point, all of her overtures, whether pure of motive or not, have been rebuffed by Oz. So she's probably starting to think, okay, well, maybe he doesn't like me the way I like him. And she's thinking about the entire Xander situation where she put in so much effort, effort, um, because, you know, friends and will. Yeah, exactly. You know, she's thinking about how she is perceived as this mousy little girl and and maybe he doesn't really like her because he's not been receptive or whatever. 
Um, so maybe that's what made her particularly blind to his distress. It just bothers me because she points out that he was friends with Teresa, who has just been revealed to have been killed, and there he is not acting normally, and she's entirely focused on her. Right. That's what, in hindsight, knowing what will happen to Willow later, absolutely. It's one of those. She act. Yeah, she can be very selfish and very narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in a diagnostic way. I just mean in a you know behavioral, uh, yeah. behavioral kind of way. At this point, I think as I was watching, I was like, you should just leave him alone. But I sort of got where she was coming mm-hmm. from. If I take this just as this episode, I, I think I kind of devil's advocate yeah. with Logan. Mm-hmm. But knowing what's going to come later, mm-hmm. it yeah, it's just it's a, a personality trait. Also, I, I mean, this is not much of a defense or anything, but maybe like at living a lifestyle as part of the Scooby gang you're a little more inured to people you know dying mm-hmm. than enough. you should be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually you know. a really good observation. That's a great point, David. So, <laughs> yeah. So she's like, okay, yeah, I can see why you're upset because he's dying, but hey, we've got problems too. And it's like, oh, right, you don't get that. Jesse who? And and we're on to the next scene, which, um, oh boy, were there a oh. lot of... Um, fanfics born of this scene and i i I might have written uh one or ten of them back in the day before i realized just how fucking problematic this scene actually was i mean it's it's so comically handled i can't take this seriously right you know like and 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 there's such a switch in larry between you know when he is being an out you know being horrible to women and then all of a sudden he's like it's just so done so cartoonally that I I just I hate it. <laughs> Here is the thing, and this is my rant called How Seth Green Ruined Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that this scene and it does not make it less problematic, but Joss originally intended this scene to be basically the first sign that Xander actually was gay. And if you go back and you look at a lot of stuff that happens over the course of particularly season two and this episode a lot, you can kind of understand where that that's coming from. Mm-hmm. He says Oz is attractive. He says Oz is attractive. Xander is very self-sabotaging to his relationships with women. And mm-hmm. it almost explains why he is so nasty to the girls that he is, that show interest in him. Uh, like he knows that he should be with Cordelia, but he wants to distance himself from being with Cordelia. I mean, he, he, he doesn't, and it could also explain why they didn't have sex with each other, even though, you know, Cordelia seemed pretty hot to go. Joss has said several times that he was either going to have Xander or Willow turn out to be gay. I think there's a lot less foreshadowing to Willow being gay than there is to Xander. Interesting. Yeah. And I think the whole, it all came down to, Joss has said that the whole storyline with Tara being killed in Dark Willow, that was originally going to happen in season five with Willow and Oz. But Seth Green decided to leave the show in season four. Because he was doing movies and stuff. Yeah, he decided to leave in season four, so they needed to introduce a new love interest. And by then, they had also introduced Emma Caulfield as Anya. And everybody loved her. So they 
they're just like, okay, so if Oz is gone and we really like Emma, then how about we just switch around the whole which one of them is going to be gay? But honestly, I, if I had like sliders, dimensional hopping capabilities, Rick and Morty style or whatever, <laughs> I would love to go to the dimension where they were able to do their original plot line because I mean, I, it, this is still a problematic scene, but actually, if Xander is is the one who is gay, then everything Larry is saying is true. Right. Yeah, I mean, and of course, it's the 90s, and it's <laughs> Joss's show, and it's, and nobody can think on a, you know, everybody's thinking on a binary at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. Like, and we'll get into this later with oh, Willow God, that, you know, bisexuality yeah, can't possibly exist. Don't but, get me started. Yeah. yeah <laughs> truth. But yeah. 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 And it just, I, I don't know, just like the whole Xander no homo thing. And yeah, I know it's the nineties and I know, you know, binary, blah, blah, blah. But it just like, I really want to punch somebody so hard with all of this because Xander, oh, his, his, even his if Xander panic. is, even if Xander is like in denial about his own sexuality, it still sucks so badly and it's so badly written that I want to scream. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, his, his no homo gay panic. I'm just like, oh, my God, can we not? There were a lot of fix right about this scene. There really were. And I would like to give a shout out to my bear friends that were super obsessed with Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Like, my Buffy-watching bear friends are like, oh, yeah, Larry. Larry, there needs to be more Larry. I really loved Larry. And I actually talked with Larry Bagby online because, like, back in the day, he was, like, in some of, like, the Buffy groups. So, like, yeah, I had some kind of cool. with them. Like, he, he was a yeah. pretty cool dude. Are we now getting to getting- Willow and Buffy talking in the library? Yes. Because I have a huge issue with that conversation. Because it's just as problematic and sexist, that whole, ooh, let's talk about the mystery that is men. One day they're this, and then they're that. I'm like, I, I just, you know, it always bothers me when you get that whole, you know, women can never understand men, and men can never understand the women folks. And, you know, it's just as problematic to me that they have the conversation about that than... Uh, well, I mean, there's also another little bit of slut shaming. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This happens throughout this show. Like everybody <sighs> talks about this show as a paragon of feminism, and for its time, it was it had its place. It definitely had its place, and it definitely pushed things forward in a TV in the TV landscape. Willow thinks she'll be a slut just because she she is makes gonna, the first move. and i mean like not even makes a first the first move just like talks to the guy that she has gone out mm-hmm. on several dates with about hey what's the state of our relationship do you want to make out like <laughs> can we move forward i am in this place that i would like to you know kiss you i mean willow generally especially at this age talks around things instead of talking to things and she always she wants Buffy, who clearly has more experience, and I get it. It's it's her asking her friend. You know, she's at, she asked Buffy to interpret things a lot, mm-hmm. and and to her credit, Buffy's like, y- you should maybe just talk to him about it. That'd be probably good. Buffy should take her own advice for being sure. generous. For being generous, it would. Um, you could argue that this shines a light on the sort of catch twenty two that that women experience. She can't be forthright and forward because that's not her place. And if she does so, she's a slut. But she still wants to have sex, but she can't. 
like not do it because she's prude and so on and so mm. forth. And not. Yeah, and a lot of it is just like women's sexual agency in general. Yeah. So yeah, I get that that it can be interpreted that way, but I feel like it's more reinforcing those stereotypes than it is. It's that same oh. ham-handed writing that we're having problems with the whole way. I think if a woman wrote that scene, it would be much different. There'd be a lot more nuances that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But because of these two assholes, it's just like not. I think there's a reason that these guys disappear after this season. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. They do have great one-liners, but they do disappear and go on to do other way more misogynistic things. And then we we get into the the Teresa scene, the Teresa Slayage, which is the second best xander scene like i mean i like him with like the channeling his inner wolf and i like his speech to buffy his speech to buffy is actually really nice it is without any sort of caveats or it is xander being an actual friend Mm -hmm. and that's what makes like xander being fucking gross so heinous because when he's he's being a good friend Mm -hmm. he's so good at it the yellow crayon yeah. speech that thing he says to dawn this moment like it makes so mad this scene is actually on par with the um dawn potential speech like this is xander talking this is why you are important exactly and that's what it that I, it's, it you know i've already said it that's what makes the majority of his character so frustrating because it's so right, because inconsistent he be, with he this. can be so loving and good and there's several times I think when Buffy comes back, I think it's when Buffy it's in the freshman, the freshman when yes. Buffy's like at the Bronx and he gives her this great speech about like, I had to ask myself, it's the, you're my heroes. You're my hero. What would Buffy do? And it's like, he's, he is, I'm so conflicted about Xander because he's very inconsistently written and, but he does so many terrible things. Yeah. But he does get these beautiful speeches. Yeah. But he's also so heroic. Yeah. He's also, which I guess, you know, I guess that's what humans are like. We're kind of inconsistent. So, you know, there's that. This kind of scene is why it makes sense that Xander was the heart of the ultimate slayer. Mm -hmm. And he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Just of note, this is the first time that we see Xander actively killing a vampire. Kill vampire. Yeah, because oh. he, he accidentally kills Jesse, but that's not like right. intentional. Mm-hmm. Right. But this is the first time like he's actually like plunging a stake into a vampire, like to kill them. This is this is Xander's credit sequence. It is, yeah. Because this ends up that's the big poof. You know, talking about Xander's the two sides of Xander here, it seems yeah. like on an individual interpersonal level, he functions much better than he does within societal yeah. structures. It's like yeah, he's which... like he cares deeply about his friends and can yeah. be very thoughtful mm-hmm. and caring. But when it comes to talking about anything like, you know, the example here in this issue, you know, homosexuality, is like he is just a a slave to essentially the societal norms. And he can't seem to get out of that. I want to say trap, but that's not the right word. I don't, whatever well, I, it is. But you that, know, I think you're, that structure. You are, you've brought up a really good point because Xander, all these little speeches we've talked about have been one-on-one speeches without mm-hmm. anybody around to put on societal mm-hmm. pressure about how Xander should be acting yeah. Yeah. as yeah. a man. It's just him in, you know, he's so much better as a one-on-one person, mm-hmm. which is, you know, very true of a lot of people. Um, 
Public David, you may have made me love Xander too. again. What the fuck? Look at oh, you. I didn't sorry. think it was possible. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I actually Xander gets more problematic when there's another dude in the room. I think he has to feel even if mm-hmm. it's just Giles, he all of a sudden becomes performative. Because a lot of a lot of Xander's personality is performative. He's class clown man. He's like, you know, mm-hmm. so And of course he has to keep proving his his masculinity. We're getting close to the end of this episode and it's um uh, Oz trying to lock himself up and Willow bursting into his house and he's just so polite he can't leave somebody knocking at the door even if he's trying to lock yeah. himself up just ignore it Oz fuck Willow doesn't know how to shift between gears it's low gear or high gear for her you know what I mean she, she really <laughs> is and it's like even if like Oz were not a werewolf like if I were dating Willow and she just burst into my fucking house I might be reconsidering like staying with her because it's like you're you're invading my house and like Oz doesn't need a reason to not go out that night like he can stay home and do nothing if he wants you can tell I'm an introvert for being like Oz could be on his own if he wants maybe he needs some time to recharge (laughs) (laughs) he did tell Willow he was busy and from the introvert perspective I understand that but I don't think Willow understands that Willow's not an introvert honestly no no, I mean, she's a more quiet, mousy, that's my quote fingers, right. person, but she's definitely gets energy from other guys. That's the only difference, introvert, extrovert. Right, that's why I think energy she, and, yeah. she is ticked off that he said he was busy, but he's just sitting at home with some really scary looking chains. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even give him a chance. Like, I mean, he's at home, but how does mm-hmm. she know that he's not busy at home doing something? She's literally been there for two seconds. You know, and I, Willow, yeah, she only has, she's mm-hmm. like low or high. She's up and down, you know, she's never sort of in between, which is a very teenage mm-hmm. behavior. And I think Willow's the type of person that's like, I've rehearsed my speech. I wrote it down and I rehearsed it. And by God, I have to say it. Dude, I'm not going to let Willow skate by on her being a teenager because she stays like that up until the time she's like 22. No, you know, I can't. But no, she does stay like that the entire freaking time. And it is really rude. And I don't know. Honestly, here's my thing. I think Willow's partner, romantic partners are always better than Willow. Yeah. Yeah. For me, but Oz and Tara are my two of my very favorite characters on this they're show. One, they're wonderful. Ever. And Willow's kind of dumb. Uh, she she falls into the scary movie trap of, oh, there's something going on behind that couch. I'm going to s- slowly creep up to it. Yeah. Did anyone else? Okay, so I watched them back to back last night, but and they're not completely similar, but... That is a direct, that transformation is a direct homage to the transformation scene in American Werewolf in London. Oh, well, yeah. Like a hundred. I mean, it's not nearly as gory and it doesn't have the amazing Rick Baker. Right. Visual (laughs) amazingness, but it's very, because, you know, it starts with the hand first. He sees his hand and then, and and even the pain noises that he makes Mm -hmm. and the doubling over and the clutching. Totally Listeners, go and look at a clip on YouTube of the transformation in American Werewolf in London and look at the transformation. Yeah. Well, I'm not yeah. I'm not sure it's even stopped yet, but for years that scene in American Werewolf in London is basically the the touchstone for yeah. every werewolf trans, transformation it's scene amazing. in it's, anything. It's really, 
It's right. Amazing. It went from the it's Lon Chaney version to that in like from the eighties on. And yeah. 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 I mean, it's really such an, I mean, I, I'm not, that's not my favorite movie, but that transformation and makeup and the, I just, mm-hmm. if y'all haven't seen that out there, I highly recommend it just for the visuals and what Rick Baker does with mm-hmm. the extraordinary, you know, prosthetics and all that stuff. So I'm just a big fan of Rick Baker. So I don't know, like for the rest of this episode, like for the, um, Rest of uh, Oz being a werewolf. I don't have anything written down because this is it's, it's, it's running, kind of it's just, shooting, it's yeah. running, it's it's it, and and and, and the, the the thing where Buffy picked up Buffy, it's just it's not well choreographed. It's a giant mm-hmm. shoot, it's a lot of running. It's yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I do have one thing about one thing that annoys me, and it's probably just eh, whatever writing. Shortly before this, we have Kane making silver bullets. I'm like, you're on a hunt. You've been on a hunt for like three days now. Why why do you not already have these? (laughs) You have not, we have not seen you fire a shot. I think maybe Logan (laughs) had a really good point about him being a serial killer. This is like part of his ritual where he needs to make silver bullets specifically, you know, for that night's hunt because that's just his thing. You don't know this, but he's not wearing any pants. That's actually Tony Head well, in a cane. <laughs> in a mask. Neither's any of us, so, yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, how do y'all know that we're all wearing pants yeah. as we're sitting here? Actually, as far podcast? as the podcasters know, we're just completely naked, so. Truth. Nude. Truth. Yeah. All nude <laughs> podcasting. It's all an all nude podcast. <laughs> all nude I, I'm sure our podcast inspires all kinds of fanfic that we don't want to know about. <laughs> God, that would be amazing! Someone write fanfic of our podcast. Oh God! <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe keep it T-rated. Okay, that would be yeah. That, that never works. Yeah. Just ask Channel Awesome. Like, <laughs> I did did have one question about the whole Oz is a werewolf thing. Why would Oz give up live prey to go after a big pile of meat? And it's not even like it was that big of a yeah, pile of meat. It just made yeah, no sense to me. Kind of silly. But yeah. No, there's running, and then there's wrestling, and then Willow shoots Oz. And... Says, I shot Oz! And I wrote down, <laughs> won't be the last time. <laughs> That's nope. true. It won't be the last time you shoot Oz. So. And so we get into the very end of this episode. Unfortunately, yeah. the last bit of it, uh, uh, before the great end bit, we have a little more homophobia. Yeah. Yep. Xander and his damn gay panic. But I do have to say... Larry is entirely in love with Xander already. Like as, oh, as, for sure. as soon oh, yeah, as that yeah. locker room going happened, on, there. he's like, into him. Larry yeah. is totally into Xander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is why I shipped them so hard because it was so obvious after the the locker room scene that it's like Larry's into Xander. And also, I think I really wanted Xander to be gay because it would have made him so much less problematic. I do. I'm, yeah. I'm not convinced. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> And then Willow and Oz. Oh, everybody's listen. As problematic as this episode is, the the scenes with Willow and Oz make this episode, and especially the slut end one, it makes it fucking worth it. Because this end scene's so beautiful. It totally does. Yeah. I have written down Oz is perfect, the most perfect, 
how many times can I type the word perfect? I think probably about 2 million times. And then I just wrote perfect, 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 perfect all over my notes. Yeah. And so, it's sweet. Yeah. And Willow is a lot better in this than she has. Like, I mean, I know I've been ragging on Willow a little bit in this, but she's really sweet and accepting. And that three days out of the month, I'm not much fun to be around. Three days? Three fucking days? Fuck you, Willow. I know. Three fucking days? Fuck you, Willow. Yeah, I was, I was kind of wondering about that. Like, is it? Is that Near, nearly nearly two weeks out of the month for me back in the day? So yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck I, you, Willow. I'm probably the wrong person to know about this. Is I wanted to ask: Is that joke appropriate, inappropriate, or Whatever. somewhere in the middle? It's, it's a it's it's a I, I I found it funny, except for the fact that you know. Like that's a really low amount of time. Like seriously. right? Yeah, no. I I, mean, I, I, I also did get she, that. She's she's exaggerating. She's making a point about yeah. I always thought that was like I I thought it was sweet because it's like she's trying to find a a way to say you're it's acceptable it's okay so it's who you are it's natural whatever yeah yeah I think it's sweet yeah I mean I never have any problem with people mentioning periods on television because I think people should talk about that kind of stuff a lot more yeah I wouldn't liken lycanthropy to menstruation i wouldn't right i i would not it's a cute it's a cute joke they're they're hardly the first people who have done it like i mean people have called them uh, like werewolf time before oh i like i i always go with shark week shark week yeah yeah (laughs) which is also a little more accurate to the length of time so i always used to uh, i always made star trek jokes because there was the plot tower which is the blood fever and like my friends and i going back to the 70s that's how we talked about it back in the 70s when girls couldn't you couldn't say this out you know in public so it's like we were always on the plot tower but yeah no i really i really like the end of this episode and them bonding i do too yeah it is a nice scene and the music is perfect and it's really well framed their first kiss Mm -hmm. by the way ali's totally taller than seth (laughs) yeah oh yeah an inch and a half yeah because like they're about like she's still a little bit taller than him with his hair like all that spikiness so it's like (laughs) seth like come on like i mean i don't know maybe she was wearing some heels or something but yeah I also like the fact that she's, I mean, even with all the weirdness, she initiates the kiss and it's really sweet. And again, it's really organic. Mm -hmm. It's the scene from Innocence sets this up perfectly because Oz says, in my fantasy, I'm not kissing you, you're kissing me. And Mm -hmm. it's a freeze frame. Like, everything stops. And then, and then, and then the whole, oh, werewolf in love. And I'm like, oh, it well, just kills me every time. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for making those noises. This episode has so many problematic things in it, and it is like mm-hmm. it's not a very well crafted episode in terms of it's not or special no. effects. But I will never skip this on a rewatch. Yeah, I, I won't the either. The payoff is beautiful. You, you just watch it for them together, and and the final, finally they're together. Yay! No, I mean like this. This is a. This, I mean, it's not in the top ten. It's not in the top twenty, but. This is, a for me, it's a quality episode just because of how I feel about it. Again, I don't skip episodes with Oz that have major Oz plot lines or mm. even really good Oz scenes. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, Oz has a really great scene in this one. I don't. I just, I love Seth Green back in, I mean, I still really like Seth Green, mm-hmm. but man, this time period, I was just like, I think I even went to see that stupid Idle Hands movie just because he was in it. 
Oh no! Devin Saw is our Lord and Savior. I saw a lot of movies with Seth Green in it. Can't Hardly Wait, which is actually now a classic, but at the time, like three whole people saw in the theater. I saw it. I went and saw that. I saw it in the theater because of Seth Green, for sure. Someday I will show you my Vincent Carthizer movie collection. Like it's really. (laughs) And he's been oh, and he's made some really bad. Oh God! Sorry, no offense. He's made some bad. No, no. Believe me, I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Final thought for bronze music: we did have "Blind for Now" by Lotion at the bronze. Yep. And Lotion is actually one of the few band is like a band. It's like, hey, I know who they are. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, there were. I was noticing like there were a lot of like lotion posters in the background and stuff. I was like, oh wait, I've heard of them. I know who they, they are. They tend to do that if they 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 put up posters and stuff for whoever the band is, which makes sense. Clubs do that when yeah, whoever's right. playing. There, and there's always random Dingoes Ate My Babies posters up at the bronze. I think those posters were actually up before. Before. Yeah. Before you actually saw them, they had Dingoes Ate My Baby posters. Uh, they referenced it in the pilot, like the original, original pilot. They mentioned a band called Dingoes Ate My Baby. So they, mm. oh, Joss always had that idea and he loved that name. And I guess it just took until season two to actually introduce them. So, okay. nice world building. So, yeah, that's an okay episode. Love the Oz stuff. I want to hit Xander. That's kind of a, yeah. every time I watch Buffy, I sort of think those two things. I, I love just, Oz. I it's one of those it. episodes where it's like there's a lot of bad stuff, but there's also a bunch of good stuff. And the good stuff is what's good is really good. Yeah. And, and although, like. You know, I'd have to, you know, do the math to see how much bad stuff there is versus how much good stuff. But the good stuff is good and it and it ties into the the character arcs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's it the good stuff manages to outweigh the bad stuff enough that it's something you can watch. Yeah. And not go, oh yeah, I'm gonna skip this in a rewatch. Yeah, no, I'd I'd say like it's probably like 75, 25 in favor of like bad versus good but it's just mm-hmm. the bad stuff is made up of feathers while the good stuff is made up of like iron so right yeah, yeah I, I mean it's, the bad stuff makes me want to like scream but it's not like oh my god i can't watch this i have to turn this off because i'm so offended i'm so annoyed by it but it, it was frustrating i just yelled at xander a lot on my tv so okay logan's losing her i thought you were gonna say the bad stuff is feathers and the good stuff is chicken and i was just like <laughs> you said i and it was so and i was like what the fuck and then I realized you were doing with that, like you were making like a legitimate, like scholarly reference. I was like, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Can I steal that, Logan? Everything was like that. The good, the bad part is feathers. The good part is chicken. <laughs> like that's just going to be like a new saying that sweeps the nation. I like I, it. I, I like it. it. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. We should start using that now. Okay. Next time we'll be reviewing Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. <sighs> Until then, <laughs> Gur Arg. Gur arg. Gur arg. Gur arg. Gur We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at Hellmouth Return, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show.
Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. See you on Tuesday for Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Grr. Arg.